Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring back Dr. Mindy Pels. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. I'm so grateful to bring back my friend, my colleague, the amazing Dr. Mindy Peltz. She's a best-selling author. She's a leader in women's hormonal health. And in this episode, we're going to dive deep into keto fasting for the ladies out there. Whether you have a monthly menstrual cycle or you are perimenopause, postmenopause, we're going to touch on all three areas. And for the men listening right now thinking, oh, maybe I should not listen to this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Keep listening because you know women in your life. We're going to talk about that. If you could understand the ladies in your life better, you're going to have a better relationship with them. So we, I encourage you to listen, take notes. We're going to dive into autophagy fasting. We're going to dive into different styles of fasting based off of what you want to achieve. And then we also have a VIP Q&A session at the end where you get to hear questions from the audience and her answer, Dr. Mindy's answer, which is always helpful. This was a masterclass on fasting, keto, and women's health. You're going to love Dr. Mindy Peltz. If you haven't left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating or a review yet on Apple Podcast, please do so right now. It helps the show grow, helps the show reach more people, and essentially it helps us change more lives. So if you're listening on Apple Podcast, hit pause, scroll down, go to the ratings and review section and leave an honest rating and review for the Keto Camp Podcast. Okay, let's get into this conversation with Dr. Mindy Pels. I want to introduce somebody who I love very much, who's a friend, a mentor, or just a bright light in this world. Her name is Dr. Mindy Pelts. She's going to speak about why women should practice keto and fasting differently than men. She's going to speak about cycling women versus postmenopausal women. And I know some guys are on here like, oh, wait a minute, should I be on this session? Yes, because you know somebody who's a woman. You know, and if you want to have a better relationship with that person, whether it's your mom, your girlfriend, whatever it is, understand their hormones, understand where they're at, and it's going to help you tremendously. I can attest to that with my fiance, Natasha. It's important to understand where they're at. So we're going to get into that. We're also going to get into the benefits of autophagy fasting. She also has specific guidelines that she puts all out on her YouTube channel on autophagy fasting, how you can actually break a fast technically, but follow this protocol to still get autophagy. I'm going to ask her to break that down. Dr. Mindy Peltz is um, an undergraduate degree, has an undergraduate degree in exercise physiology and nutrition from the University of Kansas and a doctorate in chiropractic from Palmer West College of Chiropractic. In the 20 years she has been in practice, Dr. Mindy has helped tens of thousands of people reset, that's her word right there, reset their health, 
She is the best-selling author of this book right here, The Menopause Reset. I actually have three copies in my office here, and many of you got this book. So without further ado, here is the one, the only, Dr. Mindy Peltz. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. That was quite an introduction. You know, I was thinking my editor for The Menopause Reset and then the fasting book for women that'll come out next year was a man. And I told him, I said, you have no idea what a rock star you are right now with the knowledge that you have for women. So I want so to encourage true. men to hang on because uh, if you're, you know, if you're looking for a woman and you understand fasting and hormones, you're going you're to be a hot commodity. If you're married <laughs> to a woman, you're going to, you're going to be a hot, you're going to, you're going to score some brownie points. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I think you sold all the guys on, on that. <laughs> so don't they're gonna stay. They're gonna stay. Well, thanks for carving out some time. Uh -huh. I, yeah. I know you just came from your son's soccer game and he just, he scored a goal and they're kicking he butt. So. Yeah. I told him, I said, Hey, I've got a, I've got an interview with Ben. So I need this score to be pretty high. I need you to score so I can take off a little early. And he did. It was awesome. <laughs> It worked. I love that. And, <laughs> and we're going to go long because you made that mistake. That's right. I know. I know. Oh, well. Uh, I would love for you to share, Mindy, just your backstory. Not everybody on here probably knows you. Maybe most of them do, but there might be a few of your struggles with your hormones, reaching a certain time of your life, seeking answers and actually asking your doctor. And they were actually asking you if you have the solution. So yeah. tell a little bit more about that. I'm going to take myself off the screen. You're going to be full screen, yeah. but we'll all see you and hear you. Okay. No worries. Um, yeah, you know, uh, when I was uh, turned 40, I really had like one goal, and that was to fit into my skinny jeans. And I wanted to roll into 40 and say, hey, I'm in the best shape of my life. And I did. And I did it through a lot of working out and eating six meals a day. Um, and doing what we've all been taught is calorie in, calorie out kind of mentality. And when I turned 43, things really started to change for me. I felt like I, st I started with not being able to sleep. I got really bad uh, uh, hot flashes, so bad that I literally had to get out of bed, change the sheets. I had like always set up about two or three outfits ready to go um, every night because I, I didn't know, you know, how many times I was going to have to change my clothes because of all the hot flashes. And then it really got into a lot of depression and anxiety. I mean, I, I was on a pretty quick downward mental, mental and physical spiral. And I hadn't changed anything in my lifestyle. Like I hadn't done, I, there was no reason for it. And so um, I went to a friend one night. I was at my, my son's uh, school and there was a science fair. And if you guys that have kids know that, you know, at the science fairs, you're kind of everybody's meandering. And then there's a little discussion amongst parents. And I, one of the parents was an OB. And I rarely talk shop with people when I'm like in, in my parent mode. But I was so strugg I was struggling so much. And I turned to this OB and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just really struggling with these symptoms. I'm, I'm thinking I might need some medication or something. Like, wh what are your thoughts? And she like stopped looking at the science project and she turned to me, turned and looked right me right in the eye. And she said, Mindy, I have a practice full of women with those symptoms and my medical textbooks have failed me. I have no idea. What are you doing for it? And then she flipped it on me. And so it really set me in motion to figure out what I need to do to to overcome my my menopause symptoms. And 
I came up with five things. I wrote about them in the menopause reset. Um, I've actually been thinking about a sixth thing too, Ben, we can chat about um, that I've been talking to my academy members about. Um, but it, yeah, and I really wanted to navigate menopause with lifestyle. I really want, and I wanted to get to know my hormones. I wanted to use the tools of fasting. And here I am 51, uh, at 47, I pretty much thought I was going into, into menopause. Uh, and with the principles that I teach in the book, I came out and had regular cycles. And here I am at 51, still going strong. Some days I'm like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But um, I'm proving that lifestyle is working. Yeah, you're living proof. Amen to that. And yeah, I want to hear about that sixth uh, method that you're thinking about there. So maybe we could outline the five and then we could get into yeah. the, the sixth one. But yeah. before, before we get into that, I know that um, one of the things that really catapulted you to improve your health was fasting. And so much so that you actually became kind of addicted or too much fasting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe it was you had a conversation with Dr. Pompa and he's like, you need more mTOR. So could, could you share that story? Yeah, it was actually, and he, sa he said it more, he didn't say it as scientifically, but basically what happened is uh, one of the five things is fasting. So I fell in love with fasting and um, I got such great results with it. My energy stopped crashing at three in the afternoon. I kept my weight where I wanted it to be so much so I didn't have to work out as much. Um, and I just, I felt like I was getting my life back and fasting was such this pivotal tool. I was sleeping better. The joint pain went away. The mental confusion went away. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. So I started fasting more. I'm, and I, and I'm the first to tell you if I'm classic, like if a little bit's good, I should probably do a whole lot more. That's kind of the, the family I grew up in. If you met my dad, you would, you would get that. Um, so I just did it all the time. And then I started getting new symptoms, uh, hair thinning, um, and body anxiety where I'd be like sitting on the couch and I just, I couldn't get my body to relax. Like I just couldn't get, I couldn't fall asleep at night. Like I couldn't get to sleep. I, I had figured out how to stay asleep, but I couldn't get to sleep. So I ran a Dutch test on myself and this was at like 47. I had the, um, hormones of a postmenopausal woman. I had no estrogen, no, no progesterone and no testosterone. So I ran it past Dr. Pompa because I was at, you know, one of the, one of the tricks that we talk a lot about in the functional medicine world is, you know, don't be your own doctor. It's good to have another set of eyes on you because you never know. And so I, you might miss something. So I sent something to him and what he said to me, Ben was, you, you got to start eating girl. What are you doing? And I was like, I'm fasting. I'm, I'm really enjoying fasting. He goes, no, you got to eat. Like you need to go to Italy, Italy, get yourself some pasta, drink some more wine. Like we, we joked about it, but he's like, you have got to eat. You're not eating enough. And of course I wanted to understand that. So I dove into the research and figured out that progesterone, which is a hormone that women are losing dramatically in menopause, mm. um, does not want you to fast. And the more you fast, the quicker you're going to lose progesterone. And I, I think actually Dr. Carrie Jones says it the best, that progesterone is the hormone that tells you everything's going to be okay. Mm. And, and it's really true because my husband would say to me, even to this day, sometimes he's like, why are you worried about that? And I'm like, 
I don't know. I'm because if this happens and then this is going to happen and then if that happens, that's going to happen. And I, you, I can now understand when I'm like, oh, okay, that's right. I don't have the hormone to tell me everything's going to be okay. So let me go ahead and feed that hormone so I can start to bring that hormone back. What are some of the, the best foods to feed progesterone? So progesterone likes things like squashes, potatoes, beans, uh, citrus fruit, tropical fruits, uh, grass-fed beef. Um, but these are not typical keto meals. Yeah, they're so. flex days. They're flex days. Yeah, maybe. they're flex days. That's <laughs> right. So this is this was the hardest thing. I went from six meals a day, eating good quality food, to uh, to fasting all the time and doing keto all the time. To okay, now I've got to the week before my cycle, I got to really be mindful to step out of ketosis and lean into those foods. And that changed, I mean, my cycles got right synced back up the minute I, I did that. I've now really like looked at every little aspect of, of a woman's hormonal cycle. And I've like made a few tweaks in that early uh, initial thought. But um, that is the general gist is that week before you need to step out and you got to, and it doesn't mean like sit on the couch and eat ice cream. It means you got to step out and then you've got to really focus on building progesterone. So that's a power tip for you all. And I'm going to dive deep into keto flexing on Monday where I, and a lot of my research is from Mindy. But that's a power tip because what Mindy is saying here is five, about five to seven days before your, your bleed week, your monthly cycle, hopefully you're tracking it. That's when we want to actually step out of too much fasting, maybe, maybe not even more than 12 to 14 hours, right, Mindy? And higher healthy carbs. It doesn't mean you're sitting on the couch. Maybe you're upping it to 100 grams, 150 grams each day of those healthy carbs that Mindy spoke about, building those hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And then Mindy, when the period hits, that's when they could go more aggressive with the fasting and keto, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're perimenopause, what typically happens is you can feel it, you know, you kind of get, you start spotting, uh, you start the anxieties. One of the things that I started getting was like a little paranoid. I don't know. Like I'd be like, oh my God, like I had this like, and I never, paranoia is not an emotion I ever feel ever. And then I would go, oh, okay. Your, your mind is going a little wackadoodle right now because you need some progesterone. So I looked for those signs as I started to, to notice it over time. Um, and it's pretty cool. I run a Dutch test on myself every July and I'm seeing the hormones come a little bit up from where they were, which is very unusual uh, as a woman going through menopause. You don't see hormones typically go up. But when I mind progesterone, it's really making a big difference. That's cool. I love that you get the data with the Dutch test. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think it's important to state that if you're new to keto, which a lot of the people in the challenge group here are, then maybe we want to wait a little bit to build up that metabolic um, machinery and flexibility and do maybe 30 to 60 days of some strict ketosis. And then we could start doing that protocol. What, what do you think about that, Mindy? Yeah, I, I always say, here's the step. You're going to go from standard American diet to ketosis and you want to learn how to do ketosis. So don't try to trick it out for your hormones until you get that foundation down. Once you get that foundation down, now, now you got to look at your hormones and map it to that. And I, and I see that we've got some questions about postmenopausal women, and we can talk about that. Um, but it's, it starts with that week before your cycle. That's the most important one. 
Yeah, we'll get to those questions for sure. Um, and I'm going to learn a lot myself. So I'm excited for those questions, your answers to those questions. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the five steps you have fasting. What are, what are some of the other ones you have there? Uh, well, the second one is keto variation or what you would call keto flex, which is, I think is a brilliant name. And that's really um, leaning in. So, so here's the thing to know of where keto just rocks it for women is you're, when you're trying to make estrogen, you need to be insulin sensitive. So if you are, this is the standard American diet problems is everybody's insulin resistant. So they're not making estrogen. So great examples of that, infertility. Why do we have such an infer a problem with infertility? Well, one of them is that we're not making the proper amount of estrogen to be able to ovulate. Menopause. Why do so many people have hot flashes? And um, and this was one of my issues. And uh, brain fog. Brain fog. And um, you know we've got why are why are postmenopausal women having more challenges with cardiovascular problems? This is a drop in estrogen. So the second principle is you need to do keto most the time, but not all the time. So when you're trying to make estrogen, if you still have a cycle day one till for a, for a perimenopausal woman, day one till about day 10, day 11, you want to keto it up. You want to fast it up. You're going to do really good and you're going to make estrogen. And all, the other thing estrogen does, it makes serotonin. So serotonin is that hormone that makes you just feel really good and happy for no particular reason. Well, um, you know, take a 47-year-old menopausal woman out to lunch and ask her how often she feels happy for no reason. That's not a, a normal thing, when, especially when estrogen is declining. So we love keto for estrogen. We don't love keto for progesterone. So it's like these two hormones that, that women need. Men, by the way, don't have, they have a little bit of progesterone. They don't have a lot, um, but they don't rely on progesterone to tell them everything's going to be okay. Women do. So when we get into that back half of your cycle, you really need to be able to step out of ketosis, but, no, but do it with smart carbs like the ones that I mentioned. I, at like 45, I started tracking my cycle for the first time in my whole life. Wow. And I'm, I'm like laughing. I'm like, maybe I should have done this. Like when I was trying to get pregnant, like, yeah. if only I, they would have taught it to you in school, huh, Mindy? That's right. If only they had taught, and that this is the mission we're on is how do we simplify this? And then let's turn it, let's teach it to the 13 year olds. Let's teach it to the 17 year olds. Let's teach it to the women who are paying 50, $60,000 to get pregnant and are up at night. So sad that they can't get pregnant. That this is, this will solve not only the menopausal symptoms, but this kind of information will change those people's lives. It will. It will. Absolutely. What about those who don't have a monthly cycle? Maybe they had a total hysterectomy or they are postmenopausal. How's that approach for them? Yeah. So that was a really common question. And here's how I'll just take you guys through like a 30 day period. And if you have a cycle, you'll kind of get an idea. I've now named this the fasting circle. Um, and I got a whole book coming out on it. So stay tuned for that. Um, can you can but, you share uh, the title yet, or is it not official yet? No, we are. Oh. We uh, I'll I'll fill you in, Ben. Okay. But we, we got a, quite a few publishers and agents looking at it now. So okay. and everybody's got their two cents on it. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it. Continue. 
Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, I've created this thing called the fasting circle and postmenopausal women, this is where you'll fit in women. I, the other thing that's really surprised me in uh, being on a public platform teaching this is how many 30 year olds, how many 20 year olds don't have a cycle. It's crazy. That's a problem. We have to change that. So if you just start in a 30 day period from day one to day 10, your body's making estrogen. And so at that time, you can fast and do keto all you want. When you go into ovulation, day 11 to day 15, you really don't want it. You've got your most amount of hormones. You've got estrogen surging. You've got testosterone serving, surging and a little bit of progesterone. So there's like a five-day period there where you can do some intermittent fasting. I think it's a great because testosterone is surging. I think it's a great time to go carnivore. I think it's a great time to up your weights and do more body, like trying to build more muscle. That's during ovulation period. That's amazing. So um, five-day period there, intermittent fast, do more protein, up your protein or up your, um, you could also up your green leafy vegetables because you're, you need to feed the estrobilome, which is the microbiome that, that breaks estrogen down. Then when you come out of ovulation, there's a five-day period, about four-day, four, five-day period where you can go back into keto, you can go back into fasting. So that's about day 16 to day 20. And then about day 20, you got to step out and you've got to go into what I call hormone building days. If you are fat adapted, you know how to fast. You can get away with about 13 hours of fasting, but I wouldn't do more than that. And then you're going to go into these hormone building foods. I recommend you keep your carbohydrates somewhere between 100 and 200 grams. And then um, you're going to do that until you bleed. Now, the question was, well, what do you do if you don't have a cycle? Well, you take that, take a 30 days period, like I just said, I'll give you an example. You could do 10 days of pretty strict keto, maybe even low keto, where you're really keeping your carbs down. Maybe you're really, you, you guys that love to do one meal a day, that would be a great place for one meal a day for, the, for 10 days. And then for five days, you're going to bring that fast down and you're going to go more into carnivore. You can going to go more into vegetables. You, I call it ketobiotic where you can do more of the microbiome rich foods. Do that for five days. Then you come out of that five days and you do five days of, of a lot more longer fast, more keto. And then you're going to do seven days of 13 hour fasting with uh, hormone building. So you can just take that to make your own 30 day cycle. Now, what I'm finding is that um, like postmenopausal women, now this really gets complicated. So if you're hearing this for the first time, just, just soak it in. And at some point you, you'll kind of see how this can work. Um, a lot of women ovulate with uh, the moon, a full moon. So if you're postmenopausal, I've, I, I've created this thing called a fasting circle. Uh, it will come out in the new book. I am teaching in my academy. I'm pretty sure I'm going to put it out on Instagram over the next couple of months. So follow me over there. Um, but it, it kind of shows you where you would go just around in this 30 day kind of routine, like I just explained. So you, but you would start if it's like, we're doing this in my academy right now where it's a full moon on the 26th. So on May 26th. So a lot of the postmenopausal women are, are making sure that they're in that ovulation window doing carnivore and doing like a 15 hour fast at that point.
What but a, I have it all mapped out on a vi on a visual aid. I call it a, the fasting circle. Yeah, uh, I saw you lecture on it at uh, Dr. Pompa's event, which was absolutely brilliant. And you actually premiered it on the podcast you did on I my did. show, on the Peter Camp podcast, did. which is terrific. Yeah. Um, so I just dropped Mindy's Instagram on the live stream chat. So go follow her. It's dr.mindypeltz on at dr.mindypeltz on Instagram. Um, now, speaking of fasting, on the topic real quick. What is autophagy fasting? How, how do you, let's say you're doing a water fast 16 hours in and you want to kind of break the fast, but you want to continue to get autophagy benefits. What is this autophagy fasting? What is the structure? How do you continue to get autophagy? Yeah, it's such a good question. So here's the way I look at fasting. Fasting is like a switch, like switches get turned on. So at 13 hours, we're getting growth hormone. We're getting some testosterone kicking in. And at 17 hours, you get a switch and it's actually, autophagy is a little more like a dimmer switch. It starts to turn on at about 17 hours. Okay, so if we know, now here's the way I look at autophagy. Autophagy is like you're waking up the intelligence inside your cells and you're saying, hey, I, there no food's coming, the blood sugar's staying low, so you're gonna need to become more efficient and you've gotta be better at, at handling this, what we call hormetic stress. And so the minute you raise your blood sugar, you've now killed autophagy. And like Ben was saying, you have moving more into mTOR. But you can keep the benefits of autophagy going without fasting. And there's really two ways to do that. The first is break your fast around 17 hours with fat. Why do we do that? Well, fat for most people will not uh, increase your blood sugar. In fact, for many people, it will decrease your blood sugar. So you're still, you haven't signaled the cells to come out of autophagy. And then keep your protein under 20 grams. And that if you keep your protein under 20 grams, if you keep your blood sugar from, from spiking, your body will stay in autophagy for a very long time. And that's why we love autophagy fasting because you know, you can eat, you can eat and still keep having autophagy happening. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So what would be some example meals, like maybe half an avocado? Well, maybe sometimes for some people, an avocado might get a glucose response. So you might need to have test your, your but avocado could, could be in that category, a little bit of some nuts and seeds. What are some example meals? What, what can you have to keep uh, the autophagy going? My absolute favorite is avocado with some sauerkraut on it. And mm. then I'll put, I'll put a little hemp seeds or chia seeds on it. That's like my go-to for breaking autophagy. Uh, the other one that I'm uh, really addicted to right now are keto cups. Yeah. These, just because I'm on the go. <laughs> yeah. It, they're great. You just pop them in your mouth and they're, they're like tasty and they just stabilize my blood sugar so well. So something like that's good. Sometimes I'll just take a scoop of nut butter, put a little little Himalayan salt and ghee on top and just take that and go on the, on the go with it. Oh, that's good. So there you go. Those are the options for you. You could also just grab a tablespoon of coconut oil. Sometimes that really helps with hunger okay. and that'll continue to fasten the autophagy benefits. So you talked about, I think you already outlined three steps so far in your protocol. Yeah, two. So it's uh, vary your fasts, vary your keto. Yeah, um, and then the third one is mind your microbiome. And this was one that really like intrigued me. So uh, pr prior to men perimenopause, I had no idea. Why did it take me till 45 to realize this? I had no idea we have a set of bacteria in our gut that break estrogen down. 
So here's the challenge with hormones. You have three steps to hormones. You have to make the hormone, you have to metabolize the hormone or break that hormone down, and then your cells have to be able to use the hormone. This is why it, so many menopausal women are struggling, is that we're, we're not making as much, we're not breaking down as much, and then our cells are all inflamed, so we're not even getting those, that, that hormone into the cell. So in this metabolized place, there are two organs that are going to help you metabolize uh, hormones, the liver and the gut. So making sure your liver is healthy, this is where I recommend things like coffee enema, enemas, castor oil packs. Um, you know, Ben, you talk about bitters a lot. I think that's amazing. Um, and then you've got to work on your microbiome. And this is another place that really low keto gets a little messed up is that a lot of people in order to go low keto decide they're gonna ditch the vegetables. Well, that doesn't work so well for menopausal women because we need to keep this estrobilome happy so that it, it will break estrogen down. What it does is it actually creates an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase that helps to break that estrogen down so it can get into the cell so it can be active. So again, what I always say is, the habits you used to get away with uh, at 35, you don't get away with at 45. And one of those habits is maybe you weren't eating enough uh, vegetables. Maybe you weren't eating enough probiotic-rich foods. So it really becomes more important. And I can even feel it to this day. Like I've played with carnivore versus more vegetable um uh, prolific meals. I do really well with leafy greens. I just feel like I can feel estrogen uh, getting into my body. I notice it in my skin. I'll notice it in my hair. Um, so yeah, so this, this third step is microbiome. We got to tend to that. What's your, what, what are some of your favorite uh, go-to green leafy vegetables? Uh, well, we just print, we just, we have a garden out in front and it's full of lettuce. So I love to just pick the lettuce and then put it in a, a big container, but microgreens, all different kinds of lettuce. I'll put like, so one of my favorite things to make is salads. So I'll put in a salad, like four different kinds of lettuce. I'll put parsley, I'll put mint. Uh, one of my other favorite recently, we're coming into a time when I can get them are watermelon rash radishes. Mm. And I'll cut, I'll cut them really thin and put them in a salad with maybe some really thin green apples. So I, I'm good. a, yeah, I'm a salad fan. Did, did, uh, Dave Asprey change your mind on kale a little bit? Ah, I struggle with his kale concepts. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to say where Ben and I really, um, philosophically line up in a big way is this idea of variation. So the way I took, Ben's comments about, or um, Dave. Dave's comments about kale is, okay, if you're eating kale over and over and over and over again, yes, it, it can, it can become toxic, toxic to your gut. He talks about how it's hard for fasters, but I'm, I vary everything. I vary the lettuces. I vary like just in the last 30 days, I had days where I was like, mega dosing on vegetables. And then I had days where all I did was carnivore. So I'm just in variation all the time. It keeps it really fun. And then when I hear somebody come up and give an absolute like that, I'm not worried. I'm like, okay, yes, I could see if I ate kale all the time, I could see that. But kale every once in a while is not going to kill my gut. 
Well said. I agree with you. Yeah. On day one of this challenge, I explained about the oxalates in spinach and kale and even almonds. And I said, hey, for the seven days, let's remove them. It doesn't mean you're going to get rid of them forever, but let's vary it up to your point and introduce some other green leafy vegetables, some other nuts and seeds and get rid of those that are a little higher in oxalates, but we don't avoid them for the rest of our life. We would right. bring them back in, we vary them. So to your point, it's the variation. It's the, that's the way that we've been evolved to actually thrive and create adaptation is when you introduce something new and then take it away and then introduce something else and then take it away. And that's the same thing with keto, same thing with fasting. It's that hermetic principle. So well said, Mindy. Uh, we are three steps down. We have two more to go and then a bonus that you said you might include. Yeah. So, okay. Fourth step is, is detox. And this is a really complicated one, but let me try to simplify it. When you go at 40, what happens is your ovaries start to make this slow decline. So, and I, and I love this explanation because uh, it allows me to honor my ovaries. Like I spent so much of my 40s villainizing my ovaries. I'm like, eh, why aren't you making enough hormones? Like, I feel like a crazy woman, like help me. Um, but then one day I was sitting in meditation and I realized, God, you know what? Like these ovaries showed up for me every single month, uh, you know, regardless of how well I took care of my body or not. And they produced two of the most greatest blessings in my life, which are my children. So stop villainizing them, Mindy, like honor them. They're retiring. Give them a break. So uh, it was really a fun shift for me to, to realize that. But as the ovaries back up and, and stop doing their job, what they decide to do is that they have to hand the job of making sex hormones over to another gland. So they hand it over to the adrenals. Now, if you were like I was, at, you know, at 43, I had, you know, my kids were like middle school, high school. I was, I had, you know, my career, I had a busy practice. Like I was not, I was not like, I, I was a burnt out adrenal fatigued human. So when I had to take over the, my adrenals had to take over the load of sex hormones, it got really crazy for me. And so your hormones, and this happens to a lot of perimenopausal women, that the hormones are doing this. They're going up and down and up and down. Some days you got a lot, some days you have nothing. So in that moment of these massive hormonal swings, that triggers toxins to come out of stored tissue, specifically bones where lead is stored. Um, those of you, I'm sure you've talked about this, uh, Ben, those of you that have amalgam fillings in your mouth, um, you might find that the that those fillings, this you might be more sensitive to mercury. If you had been getting flu shots that have mercury in it, you might notice that all of a sudden you're not responding to the flu shot the same way. So what's happening is we get this toxic dump that is happening from the changes in our hormones. And if you aren't living a toxic-free life at that point, those toxins start to really take your hormones on a wild ride. And here's why. Toxins love fat and they love nervous tissue, which is all your brain. That's your brain. And the three areas in your brain that are not protected by a blood-brain barrier are your pineal gland that controls sleep, your hypothalamus and pituitary. So you're going through your 40s you're living your life the nor normal. You don't realize that the adrenals are taking over. You've got these like hormones that are going up, down, all around, and it's signaling this toxic dump, and they're going up into the brain and hitting the part of the brain that is art controlling hormones, making your hormones even crazier. So it creates this vicious cycle. 
So the fourth step is that we really have to look at our toxic load. Everything from what you put on your skin, um, to what you inject in your body, to um, you know what you put, eat in your food. Again, if you were eating more standard American diet, if you have the favorite perfume that has got phthalates in it that you've been wearing for 30 years and you love it, um, if you uh, have your laundry detergent, thing, things that may have that have a toxic load to them, you might have gotten away with it at 35, but at 45, you're not going to get away with it. You've got to start to learn to detox. So important. And not um, enough people talk about it, Mindy, uh, at least not in our space. No. Rebecca, Dr. Rebecca Warren was here on Wednesday awesome. giving a masterclass on thyroid, keto, fasting. And then she also shared what you, you said. I mean, what, what mercury does specifically, it has an affinity for the thyroid and it, does, it just wrecks you. So these are important things to understand. We talked about some of the things you can do. Start with your house, uh, things in your household, right? The yep. detergent, like Mindy said, cleaning supplies, the perfume. I know you love the perfume, but it might be doing more harm than good. Maybe not when you were 30, but as that toxic bucket, that stress bucket fills, then something like spraying a perfume could cause a symptom. Uh, so that's number four. Uh, well done. What is number five, Mindy? Uh, number five is my favorite and the one I'm still mastering. I think I'm finally grabbing a hold of it. The last month I've been doing some good work with it. And it's rushing woman syndrome. Uh, this is a, a not my term. Uh, this is from a, a woman, Dr. Libby Weaver. I got the an incredible opportunity to interview her on my Resetter podcast. So go listen to that. We both were in tears at the end because she just changed my life. And her her philosophy is that just because we're incredibly capable women doesn't mean we're physiologically meant to, to be doing all the things we can do. So let's take this to the hormones for so you can understand this. Estrogen and men, please take this with love, but estrogen makes us crazy good multitaskers. And because we have so much est positive estrogen, we can do a lot. But the challenge is that is, and, and then in this day and age, we have a lot of women that are balancing families and a career. And so what happens is we are become doers and we're like, do, 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 do. But if you don't create balance in your life, if you don't strengthen your parasympathetic nervous system, if you don't have downtime, you will tank your progesterone. You were, and you can take a 45 year old man and a 45-year-old woman, and you can give them the same load, and they can both be very capable of that load, but eventually the woman's going to burn out quicker than the man. Now, I'm telling you that from a feminist point of view, I feel like as a woman, I, I could do anything I want to do, except when I need to take care of progesterone, then I probably shouldn't be doing everything that I'm capable of doing. So the, the last one is, is rushing woman syndrome and just making sure you've got downtime. And so what I started to do is like Friday afternoons and Sunday afternoons, I, I don't schedule anything. That is my time for me. I really love spot and spontaneous time. So I leave my Sundays open to just, if I want to sit on the couch, I'll sit on the couch. If I want to garden, I want to garden. If I want to go ride mountain bike with my hubby, I'll go do that. Um, but I like it unscheduled. Same thing with Friday afternoon. And that kind of helped me sort of set up a cadence. Um, I recently started taking Tuesdays off of off of work now 
that has it. been, it's been amazing. I'm really starting to feel my nervous system kind of, you know, calm down a little bit more. That's terrific. Well, with the exception of our Tuesday mastermind yeah, call. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's effortless. That's fun. Yeah. Me and Mindy meet every other Tuesday on a Zoom and we just, you know, talk about what we're up to and how we could just help more people. Um, awesome. So what's the bonus one that you're thinking about okay. adding to the mix? Okay, the bonus one, and I'm still um, like working it out, but you know, a lot of women struggle with sleep. So here's one of the challenges I have about sleep is you, it's not enough just to tell somebody sleep. <laughs> talk to a talk to a 45 year old perimenopausal woman. She'll tell you I'm trying to sleep. I can't sleep. And there's a lot of hacks for sleep. But I am um, I'm I come from the philosophy that the body is designed perfectly, and we need to honor what it needs at whatever time of life we're at. And so we need to start to go back to what our body needs. And one of the things our body needs is to be in uh, alignment with the different light cycles. So for example, when we need our light, our eyes need to see the sunrise and our eyes need to see the sunset. I actually ha just talked to John yesterday, um, Ben, and I've been really geeking out on this. So I'll just kind of tell you what I told my academy this morning. So John was telling me that when the sun rises, your mitochondria start to make melatonin. And that melatonin is what initiates uh, an, a sp very specific type of energy production in the cells. And it tells your cells, hey, day's starting. We're going to up the mel melatonin. We're going to give you some energy. But that melatonin stays within the cell. And it is initiated by your eyes seeing the sun rise. The sunrise has more red light in it. Now, as we go along our day, we're, you know, the body's like, it's day, it's day, it's day. Your eyes are seeing the outside. Hopefully you're getting out. And then when the sun sets, what happens is that the cells, the eyes, you have receptor sites in your eyes, see the red light coming in the sunset. And it says, okay, cells, I'm going to start to go to bed now. I need you to release that melatonin from the cells, go up into my pineal gland. And when I get that a little bit of melatonin going up into the pineal gland, the pineal gland is going to make more melatonin and you're going to want to sleep. And you should feel like going to sleep about two hours after the sun sets. If that's not happening, you are out of balance with the light. And that would be my sixth thing would be we need to get into rhythm with light. And then I'll add one other thing. Menopausal women, as estrogen declines, serotonin declines. And serotonin is that hormone, the neurotransmitter that makes you feel good. You just are like walk around and you're like, I feel good today. Well, you can get serotonin by going out in the middle of the day and getting bright without sunglasses on for about 10 to 20 minutes. Go get your vitamin D too. And you, your eyes will go, oh, it's the middle of the day. We need to make some more serotonin. So you make melatonin by being aware of sunrise and sunset. You make serotonin by being aware, being out during the middle of the day. So psych, getting our, our, the human body back in cycle with light, I think, becomes really important for the menopausal woman. Yeah. And even for people who are not menopausal or even for any human being out there, right. for sure. but especially to your point from the menopausal women out there, 
Um, I love that. Great share for sure. Add the sleep and the circadian rhythm into your protocol. I think that's just so needed, yeah. especially because we have the blue light and we have people who are wearing sunglasses all the time. I and mean, Mindy yeah. said, when you're out there, you don't have the sunglasses on. You have the sun going through your retina. That's important. A lot of people, wear, I, I get in my mom's case all the time. She wears these like thick black sunglasses. I'm like, mom, we're out for a while. Take the sunglasses off, mom. <laughs> but she has this habit. I'm always getting on her case. And uh, by John, Mindy was referring to Dr. John Laurence, who uh, he's a master of melatonin, very smart guy. He's like the wizard of supplements. And Yeah, uh, he is. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that you had a great time with him. Um, so let's get to some VIP questions. There's a lot for you, Mindy. So I'm glad okay. you, there's no time okay. for you. Yeah, no, no, it's all good. <laughs> okay. I'm here to help. So uh, Becky lost her voice. So I'm going to read her questions for her in the private chat. And then after Becky, I'm going to get to Tracy. I see Tracy back By there. By the way. Yeah. Can I just say something about losing your voice? That's progesterone too. Mm. So I I started noticing as I went in through perimenopause that my voice would at was getting kind of gravelly at certain times of the month, and that's progesterone. So I don't know why Becky lost it, but I'm just gonna say just something to be mindful of. I lose my voice all the time. How about me? What's going on with yeah, me? That's that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> oh, thanks, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> can't help you Ben. <laughs> on monday the first session that we did there's 14 total sessions right this is number 12 actually 15 because we're gonna do a bonus one on the first session you could ask everybody on here midway i'm like i'm losing my voice and we have <laughs> this is the first session the first day i'm oh, like no. oh boy so i'm glad that i could bring people in like you to talk and i could just be quiet and rest yeah right there you I'm go drinking water behind here the whole time <laughs> so um oh. becky who is a VIP here. Um, she's also in the Keto Camp Academy. She says, let me just start from the top here in the private chat. What are Mindy's thoughts on heavy metal testing? Is it needed? It's a great question. So here's what I would say. If you are thinking about detoxing, the test is really helpful um, to know what your toxic load is. So because then you kind of have an indication of how long you're going to need to detox. We have run thousands of detox heavy metal tests. And what I'm finding is some women, you know, their metal load's not very high. And we can just give, tell them, like, you're looking at six months, maybe a year to learn how to do this and you're going to be good. Some women, their levels are so high that we just got to start for, and say, hey, hang in there. You need to understand how to detox. This is going to take years to pull this stuff out. So it's good for knowing how long you have to detox. Um, the second thing, and then also, you know, when you go to detox, you can end up with funky symptoms. And sometimes mm -hmm. if you know your toxic load, you go, oh, like I always use my sister as an example. My older sister has huge amounts of lead and mercury. She took the hit for us because, you know, the oldest one gets the, the most. The biggest load, yeah, of the, yeah. Medicine, the lead, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, my gift back to her now <laughs> being the, the, the one underneath her is that I'll teach you how to detox. Um, so, but, uh, we, it's taken us years. We've had to go very low and slow with her, uh, because her metal load was so high. Now, before I had that test, we tried detoxing her and she really struggled. So once we ran the test, I was like, oh, here's why you're struggling. Now, having said all of that, if you know this going into a heavy metal detox, if you know, Hey, I don't want to do the test. I get my metal load might be high. I'm going to be patient through this process, then you could probably get away without the test. But I just find it helps create the roadmap. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Mindy. And also, you got to know how to use the test and use a, a challenging agent and, and, you know, cycle on and off of it or use it in, in its uh, half-life. So work with somebody who understands that if you're going to do it. And also, yeah. one more thing is mercury is not going to necessarily show up on those uh, heavy metal testing unless it's uh, an acute mercury situation, but more of the chronic mercury, as you know, as you, Mindy stated, it's deep inside the tissues, the hypothalamus pituitary, and that'll be hard to kind of challenge, but just assessing your history. Did you ever have silver fillings? Did your mom have silver fillings, et cetera, could get you a good idea if you have mercury. Um, Becky also says niacin sauna detox followed by binders and fasting in general with binders. Thoughts on that? Huh. Okay. So niacin sauna detox. I don't know anything about niacin sauna detox. I know a lot about infrared saunas. Um, I do believe that infrared saunas are an incredible tool for women um, because they strengthen your parasympathetic nervous system and women need to focus on that. Um, I do believe binders are necessary when you get out of the sauna because think of the way I think of saunas is it's like you're inducing a fever. And so when you induce that fever, what you're doing is you're asking the, the cells to, to heat up from the inside out and to burn out whatever's inside of there. So whether it's an infection, a virus, um, or it will push out heavy metals. So a binder is definitely necessary. And I would think niacin is probably to keep everything open so you can get more access of the infrared into the cells. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good idea. I like that you're putting it with binders. I think that's great. Yeah. Great idea. Great answer, Mindy. And also keep in mind, if you've never done niacin before, there is what's called a niacin flush. And some people freak out because you get this like hot sensation. You, your skin might turn a little red. It's very normal. So don't freak out if you're going to yeah. do niacin for the first time. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I get too. it. And yeah. I just kind of go, oh, you know, you don't want to walk out because you're all splotchy. But I'm like, oh, right. kind of warm and fuzzy right now. I like good. it. I like it too. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> when I, sometimes when I like scratch myself, it feels good when I have the niacin going. Yeah. Um, I just want to get to the comments in the private chat. And then Tracy will get, we'll bring Tracy on here because I see she's uh, got her camera on. Katie, who's a, a teacher in New York, uh, she says, she's also in the academy, says, um, so excited for Dr. Mindy. I posted a question. Extreme hot flashes on birth control. Tried to come off, but within 10 days, extreme flashes were back. 25 a day. Not losing Ooh. any weight either. Just ordered the Dutch test. Any advice? Okay. So for sure, you got to work the five principles. So you got to vary your fast. You got to vary keto. And I would really, because that sounds like uh, mismanaged estrogen. And let's talk a little bit about what birth control does to estrogen and progesterone. One of the challenges, I don't know how long you've been on birth control, but one of the challenges around birth control, whether it's an IUD or the pill is you are manipulating your hormones. You're telling the, the uh, it's an exogenous source. You're saying, okay, body, I'm gonna put something from the outside in and I'm going to start to create a, a hormonal path and, I, and you're leaving the intelligence behind. A lot of times with that scenario, you get too much estrogen and not enough progesterone. So you really wanna make sure that you're breaking that estrogen down. So this goes back to the liver, this goes back to the gut. So make sure you're supporting the liver. I would do coffee enemas, I would do castor oil packs, I would do more leafy green vegetables. 
Um, and I, I would do more probiotic rich foods. I would just dive into the probiotic world as much as you can to try to bring some health to those two organs back so that you could start to break that down. And this is where I see the fasting circle is going to be so helpful. We actually have some people right now in our um, in our resetter group that have were struggling to get pregnant, and they went on the fasting circle. And I thought it would take them about 90 days to balance estrogen and progesterone. Within a 30 day cycle, they got pregnant. Wow! So it's really cool. We have five people right now. It's my small little study, but <laughs> I I'm trying to get more. When I hear a story like this. I go, okay, this is where the fasting circle would help because I would tell you, mind the liver, mind the gut, and then let's go every 30 days, you're going, you're going with what a natural cycle would be and you'll start to sync things up and those symptoms will go away. 12 hot flashes is a lot. Um, I believe that Katie was actually on the interview live stream when I interviewed you for my um, podcast. And oh, Dr. awesome. And Dr. Mindy did break down the fasting circle. So that, Alina, if you could get that link, get the YouTube link of the interview with Mindy and post it on the stream so people could kind of see a general overview of the fasting circle. Now, Mindy teaches it more in depth in her program. And she said in a couple of months, she's going to have a post on Instagram. But we did cover it a general way to do it. So, Katie, I would rewatch that. Um, Becky says, in that case, one more question. If someone has PCOS, clean keto slash carnivore and fasting on 100 milligrams of metformin, but no weight change. Any suggestions? Okay. PCOS. This is a biggie because it's, it's, it's the number one hormonal problem for women. And there's two reasons why. One is insulin resistance and the other one is toxicity and specifically phthalates. So we'll talk about phthalates in a moment, but um, manage the insulin resistance. So keep doing the keto flexing that Ben's teaching you that in and out, you know, I, I know you've chatted about this. We are not meant to be sugar burners. We're not meant to be fat burners. We're meant to go in and out and in and out. And for weight loss, I have found that really works. The other trick I've learned for weight loss is sometimes you got to push the fasting a little longer. So make sure you're mapping it with your cycle. But I call the 36 hour fast, my fat burner fast. This I actually learned from Jason Fung, um, just chatting with him about different ways for to help people lose weight. And he said, well, people either need to fast longer or they need to change their fasting um, windows. Mm. So that would be another thing. If you're, if you're a one meal a day person and you're eating dinner, flip that on upside down and eat breakfast and then stop eating at like three o'clock in the evening. That's another trick of like another way you could flex that. Um, and then the toxins. So uh, hands down, every PCOS person is insulin resistance and toxicity. I had a woman that came up to us, uh, came up to me at the biohacking Congress. And she's like, oh, I'm following you. I'm doing everything. I have PCOS. I'm doing everything you're telling me to do. Um, I, I, and I'm not losing weight. My PCOS is not really improving. Well, what I heard was she was doing everything I told her to do for insulin resistance, but she wasn't doing it for detox. And the interesting part is as I'm talking to her, she just reeks of perfume. Mm. And I, I was like, and I have like a crazy good nose. And so I'm like sitting there going, oh man, she is not doing everything. And toxins are a really big subject. Um, so, but phthalates are the hardest for testosterone. Um, and that's all the fragrances. It's all, for, I would start by getting rid of all the fragrances and then I would 
I would detox. I would start learning how to detox. Yeah, you could switch over to an essential oil or something that's non-toxic. Uh, I also have that nose for colognes and perfumes. Sometimes in my building here, I walk into a building, get into the elevator, I mean, and in the building and somebody was in there with a lot of perfume. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I need to get out of this elevator. It's super strong. I'm very sensitive to it now. Crazy. It's, it's not a good superpower. No, I told my husband, not. I'm like, I, I'd like like better vision, but maybe better <laughs> hearing. But to have a yeah. sensitive nose, is yeah. not well, a I, I, I have a big nose because I think that's why I, I, I smell it. What's your excuse, Mindy? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're assuming that it's big, so it's grabbing in. Yeah, more that's, not, that's my, my guess. <laughs> okay, here's my, here's my theory for my nose because I can feel it when I start to biohack. I, th you know, the hippocampus is the part that's connected to smell. And it's the seat of mood and memory and smell. It's also the part of the brain that is can, is uh, uh, will go south and degenerate in Alzheimer's and dementias. And one of the first signs of Alzheimer's is you lose your sense of smell. Mm. And so I just think it's all the brain detoxing I've done. I think it's the I when I go and do my hyperbaric oxygen, I can notice my smell improves. Uh, I take the PEMF and I put the paddles on my brain, and literally I walk out of my office and I my smell improves. So yeah. I like to think it's an indication of how good my hippocampus is working. I love um, that. Yeah, so. you know what? That makes more sense than having a big nose because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like 10 years ago, it, the smells didn't bother me at all. But now it right. does, to your point. Right, and you've had the same nose. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> it was a little smaller back then. But <laughs> um, By the way, you said, I don't know if you get this on your YouTube channel, on your social media, but you said uh, Jason Fung, right? Dr. Jason Fung. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to Benjamin Bickman yesterday about um, how on my YouTube channel, when, I, when I'm interviewing somebody, like Ken Burr, I interviewed him last week, or I released it last week. And I called him Ken and I'm getting comments on the live stream. Oh, have some respect. Call him Dr. Oh. Do you get that on your channel at all? Like, uh, No, not so much. You know, I think one thing that's really happening, I mean, that's really cool in the world right now is that because the allopathic medical system has failed us, and I, and I mean that with true respect, they just, they're, they're, they're very linear in how they approach health. The public is really looking and doctors, medical doctors are really looking to step out of one pill, one diagnosis, one problem, and they've come into this functional medicine world. So we have people like Ken, we have people like Jason, we have medical doctors there, we have functional medicine coaches there, we have chiros there, we have naturopaths there, we have this whole group that has come together. And I love that. And when you're working with those people, honestly, I always tell people, people say, what do you, you know, what do you want me to call you? And I'm like, I don't really care what you call me. I just want to tell you, you know, help inspire you with my information. So I think when you're in that group, you're dealing with people who have stepped out of this paradigm that I'm the doctor, I know better, give me respect, I'm going to write you a prescription. That's an old model of healthcare that's dying. So if somebody's making that comment, it just indicates to me they're still stuck in that. Yeah. Great, place. great answer. And uh, on the one, the one thing I know about you, Ben, I've never heard a disrespectful thing come out of your mouth. So the I, the person obviously didn't know you, and uh, YouTube is is the wild, wild west for comments. <laughs> yeah, it <is. laughs> it's, it's the, the nature of the beast, huh, Mindy? Right. Exactly.
Uh, I want to bring on Tracy. Uh, Tracy, you ready? Give me a thumbs up if you're ready to come on here and ask Mindy a question. She is ready. So VIP Tracy. Hello, awesome. Tracy. Hi, good afternoon. So happy to be here and thank you for taking my question. Um, I am 51 years old. I went through menopause very early and um, have, I did do hormone replacement therapy for a brief period of time and then felt like it wasn't really doing much for me. So I stopped, um, went into keto probably um, the beginning of 2019 and then I switched into carnivore and now hearing you, I think that might have been part of my problem was uh, no vegetables at all for a period of time. Um, but my question is, is there a, would you recommend a higher fat or a higher protein approach? And also, is there a fasting sweet spot for those of us that are postmenopausal? Yeah, I was gonna, so you're post, you've been post for a while. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're the classic example of the, uh, HRT gave you estrogen, but you weren't breaking it down and you weren't utilizing it, so you didn't necessarily feel the benefits of and it. And it was a bioidentical. Oh, great. Cool. Yeah, and that's good because you don't have the risks of it, but we still need you to be able to use those. So a um, couple things I would say. Yes, I here's the way I approach it is that I would look at uh, some days where you want, if you want to be carnivore, great. And then I would have days where you were really upping your green vegetables. So you don't have to be, one of the things that happens to us in the nutritional world is we want one, one thing and then we're going to walk around with our little, like, I'm in the carnivore camp. I'm in the vegan camp. I'm keto. And we, it becomes our identity. But for the postmenopausal woman and even the perimenopausal woman, there's a benefit for all of this. So when you do a carnivore day, that's fabulous for building muscle. And I will tell you that the best way to stimulate mTOR, which Ben was speaking of, mm -hmm. is 20 grams of protein every two to three hours. So not necessarily doing like a big protein meal, but divvying it up throughout the day. So you might not fast on that day. Then you might look at days where you go like 24 hour fast. Okay, why do I love the 24-hour fast? Oh my gosh, I just geeked out on it this week. I love it for many reasons. One, the 24-hour fast reboots intestinal stem cells. So we can now start to repair your microbiome by once a week throwing a 24-hour fast at you. The other thing that 24-hour fasts do is they start to change the microbiome in a way that will prevent cardiovascular problems. Well, for the postmenopausal woman, that's a that's really important because as estrogen goes down, uh, we are we're more prone to heart problems and cardiovascular disease. So you you just need to really look at at mixing it up. Um, and there's really I wouldn't say don't do carnivore. I would say do it and break up that protein. You might even do it on a muscle like a day you're you're lifting weights. But then I'd love to see you do more 24-hour fasts, and I'd love to have days where you're just diving into sauerkraut and green leafy vegetables and hemp seeds and chia seeds, things that will feed that microbiome. Great. Is that helpful? It is. And I've, I've just recently, in the last couple of weeks, started adding those salads um, back in uh, just because I was ready to try something, anything to get back on track where I was a couple of years ago. So yeah, great. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I have I have a friend who's a naturopath up in Canada. 
And she, she said, when I tried carnivore, I loved it so much. I felt great. I tried it for a week. And she goes, Mindy, you should try it for 90 days and then check your hormones on it. And I was like, <laughs> why are you saying that? She goes, I'm just be curious what your hormones do. I just, I didn't want, I, I, so her point was, I'm not sure women are meant to be on carnivore forever. And so I have nobody that has tested that for me yet. And I am not willing to go 90 days on it. <laughs> and Ben, if you're a woman and you were doing it, we would have tested your hormones. <laughs> uh, yeah, good point. And great question, Tracy. I hope that was helpful for you. And thanks for coming it on. It was here. very, thank you. So Tina was actually at the Biohacking Congress. I think she's in your academy. She worked yeah, out. With I you know Tina. So let's get uh, Tina on here and then Betty will come back to you. So, hey, welcome back, Tina. Thanks. Hey, Dr. Mindy. First of all, your workout this morning kicked my that yes, was so yes. hard. Gosh, that was hard. And then I went for a walk and I did a sauna and a cold shower and finally broke my fast at the end of about 17 awesome. hours. So it was great. Awesome. Um, the other thing I want to say before I ask my question is those of you who are in Ben's Academy, especially you women, if you could really benefit from being in the Reset Academy with Dr. Mindy as well. They are both so synergistic together. I just love them. You get this community feeling from both of them that is indescribable. And especially if you live in a rural area like I do, there's not a lot of keto, carnivore, biohackers, health nuts in <laughs> Northern Nevada. So having that community is great. And the toxin reset, if you really need to do a good toxin um, or detoxification, it's also very well worth the money. So just love both of you. Then and Thank Dr. You. Mindy. So now you kind of already answered my question, which was on autophagy fasting. As you know, Dr. Mindy, I tend to be a little bit underweight, so I can't really do a lot of extended fasting, but I love autophagy fasting. And I have a really hard time keeping the protein under 20 grams because I still need to eat a fair amount that day. I mean, I've got a great hack from Becky Niles. I want to put a shout out to her air fried beef fat and air fried pork fat. Wonderful. Salt and pepper, pure fat. It, she calls it beef crack. It's really great. But beef crack. <laughs> it's, but, so my question was, and you gave some answers to this, but if you want to keep your calories up around, you know, a thousand to 1500 on just fat and keep your protein and your carbs low, do you have some more hacks on that? Oh, more hacks. Well, you know, the hardest thing is trying to find an, is to, to get enough fat in. And I, I think that we need more great products like keto cups. So um, I don't know if I have any hacks. You know, what I was thinking, just knowing you, Tina, is I was thinking, well, how often do you want to stimulate autophagy? And I, the, I, the other thing I want to tell you is this study I talked about this morning after the workout mm -hmm. Um, had a little uh, section at the end that talked about the more we become do routine fasting, the quicker we are getting the result. So it's also possible you're stimulating autophagy at 14 hours or 13 oh, okay. hours because you're, you've been applying mm -hmm. these principles mm -hmm. for so long. So I think the first question is like, why, why are you doing autophagy? How often are you doing it? What's the end game? I, I, so, I think you're in like prevention mode, right? That's it. So my, my, my goal for autophagy is the peripheral neuropathy that I have. So to keep the stem cells going, to, to keep some, some good, you know, um, 
um, work on those neurons, but I only do it maybe once a week. Um, most of my fasting is in between 12 to 13 hours when I eat three times a day to 15, 16 hours when I eat twice a day. And I kind of go based on how I feel on right. that. Um, but I, I'm so intrigued by the idea that my body could actually start helping to heal some of those neurons through autophagy, through mm. stem cells, that I want to really boost that. And, and Ben and I mm -hmm. have talked about some strategies about that as well, but I also just can't do it that often. I'm just yeah. too, too small. And if I do it, I drop to, I'm right at a good weight. I'm right at the BMI level where I'm not underweight. But if I go, if I fast for too long, I'll drop four pounds and then yeah. that's it. So, okay. So you go seven, let's say you go 17 hours. Have you tried like avocado and sauerkraut? I, I have a sauerkraut. Avocado, frankly, I'm not in love with avocado okay. all that much. I, I do eat it and I'll eat it in salad, but just an avocado, I just can't. Quite what about it. just eggs? Do you like eggs? I love eggs. I eat eggs every day. So I find eggs really good also to break a fast with because they have a tremendous amount of choline in it, which really helps with, with brain health. Each egg is like under 10 grams of protein. So if you did one egg with some microgreens on top and a little bit of like Redmond sea salt, now you're getting a high quality salt in there. Oftentimes, that is enough to kind of let me go all the way till dinner. Oh, okay. So you, you might try that. The other thing, have you done a CGM yet? Yes, uh, I do. Nutri Oops, I am on. Yes, yes, I do yeah. NutriSense quite a bit. Uh, I've done I've done many rounds of CGMs. So, so I'm pretty what is good with what is yeah? What does protein do? Does protein bring down your blood sugar or does it spike it? It really depends. If I overdo the protein it'll spike it a little bit. If I make sure I'm getting, usually what I try to do when I'm eating three meals a day, I'll get around 30 to 35 grams of protein on each meal. And my body loves that. It's great with that. Yeah. But if I do two meals and then I do like 50 grams on each one of those meals, my body goes, uh, that's a little bit too much protein all at once. Yeah. Well, and so I, here would be a really cool day for you would be, okay, let's get you to 17 hours. Let's break that with an egg and some microgreens. And then two hours later, let's do another round of some kind of protein. So even okay. actually with that, you could also do, we talked about collagen, collagen this morning. Um, you could put some collagen, which will, will, mm -hmm. will uh, two hours later, I wouldn't do it with the egg, right. but you right. might do collagen and water. Um, and now you're sort of gently coming out of autophagy, um, but you've pushed it a little bit longer. And then I would try to do that twice a week. Oh, okay. And then ultimately, if you're trying to do more for the neurons in the brain, I'd love to see you get to like four days a week of autophagy fasting. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. I think that's really the best for neuronal uh, repair of the brain. Great advice. Thank you. And I do really uh -huh. enjoy it. I just can find it really challenging to get the, the kinds of foods and things so I don't drop my weight too much. Right, right. But that's where I like if you can be strategic about the protein. So you go 17 hours, now autophagy is kicked in, you had the egg, two, you, now you're going two hours more, you're at 19 hours, you're still at autophagy, you do some collagen. Okay, well, now I'm gently coming out of autophagy, I'm starting to stimulate mTOR. Okay, then I go and do dinner, maybe I do a grass fed steak, 
It's got mm -hmm. 50 grams. You might even do a smaller amount of, you might do another 20 grams at like six o'clock. And then maybe you, you cut your dinner in, in half and you do 20, you know, part of it at six o'clock, part of it at seven o'clock. So you're slowly moving yourself from this state of autophagy into a beautiful state of mTOR. And right. that, you know, that could be a really great hack for what you're trying to do. So three to four days, the 17 hour fasting, and then what you're talking about. And then the other days go back to the three meals a day. So I'm kind of going back and forth between 12 mm -hmm. to 13 hours and 16 to 17 hours. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I like that a yeah. lot. Thank yeah. you awesome. so much. Now, gets, here's the thing. Once that gets comfortable, <laughs> I then you're going to have to switch it. <laughs> you're right. So come yeah. back I, I'm your really good at switching things up. I, I love know. doing that. I absolutely I love it. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for the kind words and the great question. Uh, awesome answer, Mindy. The, 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 the art here is balancing autophagy and mTOR. It's that it's delicate balance, right? And it's, yeah. and it's different for every person. Yeah. So hopefully that provides some clarity. Betty, are you ready to get uh, Mindy on here? Okay, so we'll bring Betty on here. She'll be the last person we bring on screen, and then we'll just do some rapid-fire Q&A on the, on the thread, Mindy. We're going to okay. keep you here until... Sunday, your rest day. <laughs> it's all good. I've been waiting for my son to come home so I can give him a hug. Oh, but God, yeah. No, we'll, we'll be done. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you from your son. So here's Betty. Hey, Betty, welcome back. Thanks, Ben. Hi, it's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, you Betty. Renowned, and everybody's just thrilled to have you here. Thank Listen, you. I am postmenopause, very postmenopause. I'm 70. What is a good range that I should shoot for when I get my blood work done that I should be in for progesterone? Okay, a uh, couple things. So first, I want to tell you, you're a gorgeous 70-year-old, and you should own that postmenopausal place. I like, do. <laughs> man, I want to look like you at 70, so you're that's great. impressive. Thank um, you. Uh, so I'm not a fan of blood work, and let me tell okay. you why because hormones pulse. So they are just like you get, so when you go in and you get your blood work done, you're seeing what was being pulsed at that moment. True. So I would encourage you to do a Dutch test where you are taking the samples yes. over time and then yeah. they will give you a postmenopausal range. Okay, my, um, I use a functional uh, medicine Great. doctor. Um, I did email them when I heard about the Dutch test through this kick program. And uh, she said she would definitely do that for me. So not awesome. a problem. So I'm excited yeah. about that. You also talked about sleep. What is your, what are your feelings? If you, if personally you think it's necessary to take melatonin, how do you feel about that? Oh, well, so I'll tell you the evolution of my thought, and this is brand new because I just talked to Dr. John yesterday, but um, originally we used to think that melatonin, if you took it as a supplement, that your body stopped making it. Well, Dr. John doesn't believe that. He okay. said that after 40, your melatonin production goes down. I was like, oh, great. Another reason that women over 40 are screwed. Like, we, you know, just take every hormone that helps us right. away. So we chatted about how important melatonin is to be supplementing all the time. And after, I, after he explained it from a cellular level, I would say all the time. Now, yeah. here's, here's the thing. How much, what's, yeah. what type. Right. Um, 
if you haven't tried his Sandman, it's a suppository. It is amazing. And he believes that the suppository is a better way to get it into the bloodstream. He believes that it is more effective than like an IV drip. Whereas when you take some of these supplements orally, they get broken down in the stomach and we don't absorb as many. So um, he talked about, and I'm about to try this myself, Betty, is he talked about doing a 90-day trial of doing the Sandman every night. So I do it two hours before I go to bed and that you do it every night for 90 days and see how your sleep changes. Now, I'm also doing his hack of, I've been doing this for a while where I get up and I do a juve light on my face um, so that I get red light and I do a meditation yes. and and then I've been doing walking the dog at sunset. So I'm still I'm still minding sinking with the morning and the evening, and then I'm adding in Sandman. And I haven't tried it for 90 days, but I have tried it for several weeks at a time. And on my Whoop band, which measures sleep, it's insane. It it shows me how much deep sleep I'm getting, and it shows me how I recover when I do Sandman. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm glad to hear that. And I definitely will be looking into that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Awesome. No, I, I, you know, I think Ben and I, again, we really line up on this. We will never recommend a supplement that we don't feel is beneficial. And when I first saw that, I was like, well, Sandman's kind of like a, an attractive name. I'm like, yeah, I, I need the Sandman. <laughs> yeah, I, need, I, need Sandman. <laughs> I need the Sandman. I interviewed yeah. a guy on my podcast who calls it the, the sleep bus that the sleep bus comes and picks you up. And if you don't grab, if you don't hop on the bus when you're starting to feel sleepy, mm. there may not be another bus that comes around for another hour or two. Mm. Right? I was like, oh my God. So now we have a joke. My husband and I, I'm like, oh my God, the sleep bus is here. I'm out. Like, <laughs> I gotta go. Because I'm like, don't ask me any questions. Don't stimulate my brain. I'm riding that bus to bed. But if somebody asks me a question, if we get into a deep discussion with my husband, I got to wait another two hours for that bus to come. Uh -huh. I love that. Great explanation. <laughs> awesome. Betty, thank you, Betty, for the awesome question again. Hope that was helpful. It was. It was awesome. awesome. And report back, Betty, because I just, I, I, I really just learned this today or yesterday about the Sandman being a great tool for 90 days. Now, I feel like once we go in therapeutically with a supplement like melatonin, I want to be able to get off of it, but I'm doing the, the sun, the red light in the morning, the red light at night. So I'm doing other things to help with that mm -hmm. natural production. So after you've done it for 90 days, report to Ben, give us feedback so we can see because then other people could be helped with that kind of therapy as okay. well. Sounds great. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the Sandman, uh, Mindy. I've been using it on and off for like uh, almost a year now. Uh, great product. Now, keep in mind, when you buy a bottle of melatonin, typically the doses, the dosage, dosages are three milligrams, six milligrams, and it might say take one or two capsules. Sandman has 200 yeah. milligrams. It's a mega dose. But I learned from Dr. John, like you, that there's no negative feedback loop for melatonin. So it doesn't really shut down, according to his research, it doesn't really shut down your own body's capability of producing it. He's, he said you could take high-dose melatonin for six months, get off of it, and your body's right back to producing it. According to his research, he's done a lot of research. With that being said, like Mindy said, I still wouldn't rely on it for a long period of time, maybe 90 days. 
So I go kind of on and off of it. And it's been a game changer for my sleep scores as well, Mindy. It is a suppository. So yeah. uh, if that's a little bit weird to you, just get over it. <laughs> I'm telling you it's yeah, not that it's, difficult. It, exactly. You know, it's one of those things that the first time you do it, it's a little weird. But then but, whatever. After a while, you're like, it's all good. Like exactly. it just it, and you get such a positive result. It, it works incredible. I love the uh, sleep bus story. I'm going to say it to my fiance now because she gets aggravated when it's like 8.30, 9 pin. I'm like, we should go to bed. I feel like we should go to bed. She's like, it's only 8.30. Like, how old are you? I'm going to say, the sleep bus is coming, darling. <laughs> yeah. You got to go. It's um, either now or the, like, and I love the idea because the bus buses don't come all the time, you know? So yeah, you grab it exactly. now or you're going to have to grab yeah, it later. Right? You never know yeah. when the next bus is coming, right? It might not even right. come that night. Right, um, exactly. Can, can we do some rapid fire questions on the uh, the thread here? Okay, cool. So uh, Katie posted, we already answered that question. So we took care of Katie. Lynn, who's out there in uh, Malibu, California, 62 years old, um, healthy, no history of breast cancer in my family. I am on bioidentical HRTs and have been for at least eight years and have a pellet inserted every three to four months after blood work has been done. Is there a limit on how many years I should continue with this or stop? Uh, it's such a good question. Uh, for first thing I have to tell you is I grew up in Malibu and uh, I grew up in uh, Lynn. I grew up in Sunset Mesa. I went to Malibu, Malibu Park Junior High. I went to wow. Webster. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, it's now uh, Malibu, Malibu Park High School, but it was junior high and I went to Webster Elementary. So I don't know where in Malibu cool. she is, but very uh. familiar with Malibu. Um so here's the thing. I, I would encourage you to make sure you're working the five principles that I teach in the menopause reset, because a lot of women, when they rely on HRT, when they rely on bioidenticals, if you haven't corrected the lifestyle, you still are setting yourself up for cancers and disease. And you will hit a point where it's going to be difficult to get off of that stuff. If you choose to use HRT or bioidenticals, um, I would say we want them to be bridges. So I like my vision is a woman goes into her 40s. She makes sure she works these five steps. You can throw the sixth one in with the light. And then if she's still struggling, okay, do HRT, do bioidenticals, but do it for give yourself a time period, four years, five years. After that, then I would get off. So if you get off, you start to slowly get off of those bioidenticals and you go crazy, like your brain goes crazy, hot flashes come back, then you got to go back to the lifestyle and work on correcting the lifestyle. So I, to me, HRT, the problem with HRT is there can be, if it's, if, if it's the, I mean, the one I'm thinking you're doing, it can really cause a problem with, um, uh, it can have a, a backlash of some cancer. But if you're doing bioidenticals, I know like I've interviewed Dr. Anna Kabeca believes that women should be on bioidenticals forever. So I'm sure it's safe enough to be on it forever. I don't want to be on anything forever. So I like correcting everything with lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, then that's your premise. Your premise is that the body could heal, right? So we don't have to really rely on that. Is your son there? Do you want me to? Yeah, no, it's okay. Okay. Are you, are you leaving? Okay. When are you leaving? Okay, can you wait like can you wait like 10 minutes for me? Okay, thank you. We'll be done before that. Uh, tell <laughs> okay. congratulations from us I too. Will. Um, what is the procedure to bringing your fasting insulin down so you could begin to lose weight? Uh, Jill. 
Yeah. You know, I, here's the thing. If you guys are stuck in weight loss resistance, it's really the variation that's going to be the key. So make sure you can get, I like to see people train themselves to get to that 36 hour fast. I really like that. It seems to be this breakthrough moment for women to lose weight. Um, that's yeah. And you got to vary it. You got to go in and out and mm -hmm. in and out. So I've seen people who are struggling to lose weight and they're like, but I'm only eating one meal a day. And then we've got to get them to start to eat three meals a day. On some days we need to get them to not eat on other days. And then on some days we get them intermittent fasting. It's that variation will be the key. And if you're already doing that, then uh, the other two things I would look at would be detox. A lot of times, you you know, obesogens, there are known chemicals that block receptor sites that make mm -hmm. you insulin resistant. And stress. If you are in chronic stress, what happens is that your body doesn't want to release the weight. It, it's because it thinks it's running from a tiger. I have a great podcast interview coming out with a woman who wrote a book called Burnout. And she talks about how we have to physiologically complete the stress cycle in our bodies. And if we don't, we, the stressor could be over, but our body still thinks it's running from a tiger. So when we go to lose weight, we need to vary those fasts, vary the keto, and then we got to look at our toxic load and we've got to make sure we've, we're completing this stress cycle and we're not just in a stressed place all the time. Yeah, well said. Uh, I, I bought that book after you mentioned it on the mm. call. Uh, Francesca says, Dr. Mindy is the variation queen. <laughs> <laughs> I am the variation queen. <laughs> yes, you are. I, 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 I it keeps life interesting. Now, Tracy um, had a question. Tracy, was your question answered when you got on here? Yeah, okay. She's shaking her head. Yeah, so I'm going to skip that here on the post. Um, Lynn, same question with Lynn. My OBGYN has been low dose of armor thyroid. What are your thoughts on that? My must have shown up in my lab work that I need this. I have the pellet. So she went on to the pellet. She doesn't have any night sweats or mood swings, but what are your thoughts on the low dose armor thyroid? Yeah. So let's talk about thyroid for a second. Let's go back to the organs you need to have a properly functioning thyroid. You need to have your hypothalamus pituitary free of toxins. You need to have your, your thyroid obviously working right. You need to have your liver and your gut working right. And you need to have the cell being able to pull the T3 in. So, um, you, you know, make sure you're doing some detox that if you're going to get off armor, you're going to need to make sure you're detoxing, you need to make sure you're supporting the liver, you're supporting the gut um, at that. And then you can start to get off of it. And then I would slowly get off of it. Like I wouldn't just one day go, Oop, I'm off. Um, I would like slowly get off of it. But you have to support the organs. TSH is made in the brain. TSH goes to the thyroid and tells the thyroid to make T4. T4 then goes on to the liver and the gut, and it gets broken down into T3. And then T3 has to get into the cells. So there's a lot of steps there. So when you go and you support with something like armor, you're supporting with usually T4. Sometimes they've got the armor's got some T3 in it. But let's make sure the cells aren't inflamed. Let's make sure your liver and your gut are really healthy. Yeah, well said. And Lynn, Lynn's a part of the academy. So Dr. Rebecca Warren last year did oh, a, yeah. a, a thyroid masterclass. That replays in there. And Dr. Yeah. John, actually, Dr. John Laurence did one on melatonin. That's in there as well. So thank awesome. you for that, Mindy. Uh, one more here from, from Jody, who's on the actual live stream, not on the StreamYard stream. Um, she said she reviewed the session we did yesterday with Dr. Benjamin Bickman. 
since a low glucose number does not necessarily mean that insulin, wait, let me read this the right way. Since a low glucose number does not mean that insulin is high, how do we know when insulin is at a normal level and have healed our insulin resistance? What is the best test for testing insulin in the blood as opposed to testing glucose? Uh, hemoglobin A1C and you want it under five, it'll tell you what your insulin levels have been for three months. Uh, you want it under five. If you can get it under three, you'll really, you're, you're a total rock star, but that's, that's the gold standard. Awesome. Um, Alina, what did you send? I'm just reading what Alina. Yeah, I saw that on there too. Yeah. Um, let, let me make one comment about cancer. Uh, I think she's asking, she's saying that she's stressed because her daughter has cancer yeah, and, and my, my heart goes out to you. Um, ben, I would make sure she gets in touch with Nasha Winters. Mm -hmm. So uh, Nasha Winters is the my go-to person who takes these principles and and is able to, to use them with cancer. She trains doctors all over the world. So she doesn't necessarily the one that you would be working with, but I would make sure your daughter is getting to her. Um, yeah, and then Ben, you're so good with mindset stuff. Like I would work with her to get some stress tools. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that, Mindy. Her website is drnasha.com um, and just go to her, con her contact at the bottom and I'm sure somebody on her team will reach out to you and our heart does go out to you. Um, you know, the body's amazing, it could heal, we just gotta do the right thing. So let's continue to do the things to help your five-year-old. So drnasha.com and thank you for that, Mindy. Um, Mindy, uh, thank you for today. Everybody give Mindy a round of applause, give her short some love. Uh, she went overtime with that. She's got to go see her son now. Let, share real quick. Where's the best place to go check you out, to get your book, to learn about what you're doing in this world? Yeah, thank you. Well, you can go to my website and find everything, drmindypels.com. Um, like Ben, my passion is my YouTube channel, putting out new, ch new information on fasting every week. We're about to do one next week on um, weight and fasting, some new studies that I found. Uh, podcast. Cool. You, you can hear me on my podcast um, uh, and you can come up. We have a free Facebook group where you can fast with us. So yeah, I'm kind of, I'm on Instagram. So, so you can find me everywhere. Uh, kind of like Ben. <laughs> so go to drmindypelts.com <laughs> and you can find all those resources there. Mindy, thank yeah. you for all oh, the amazing things that you do. Yeah, Love and appreciate you, you so much. Love go and enjoy the rest of your you. weekend with your uh, son and uh, we'll talk soon again. Okay, great. Thanks, right. Ben. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mindy. She is so much fun. Go subscribe to her YouTube channel. Just type in Dr. Mindy Pels on YouTube. She's also she also has an awesome Instagram page. dr.mindypels is her handle. My handle on Instagram is at the Benazadi. Maybe you'll take a screenshot and tag us both in your Instagram stories. We would love to see that. If you got any value from this conversation, please share it with a friend. Text the link to somebody right now who could benefit from this conversation and leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show grow. Be sure to check out the episode sponsors and other links that we put together for you in the podcast notes down below. We have an awesome lineup up ahead of episodes coming out for you. We are committed to getting the best of the best. On Friday, September 17th, we're gonna bring on Dr. Stephen Hussey, to talk all about the mitochondria, the heart, heart disease myths, and much more. And then on Monday, September 20th, 
we bring on Dr. Amy Horneman to talk all about thyroid health. We have a stellar lineup, so subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.